<laughs> All right. Good evening, everyone. What a good time it is to have in the Lord. And I appreciate it that we can come and laugh and have a good time. And uh, not many people know this side of us. Not many people get to see this side. If you have your Bibles, please open to Matthew 24. Again, I will do my best to be brief, uh, to get you guys home and ready for your work week. But if you'll open up to Matthew 25, we'll read that, that God has in store for us. Or Matthew 24, I'm sorry. Matthew 24, but we'll read verse 25. Verse 25. Matthew 24, verse 25 says, Behold, I have told you before. I began to think on this uh, late in the week, and I kind of put a southern uh, twist to it and uh, way I tell my kids, or maybe you've said it before, is, and it's like Jesus is saying, ain't I done told you? <laughs> That's how this flew on me, and, and I began to think about it. It's like, ain't I done told you? So we'll see what, what Jesus has done told us, and then we'll, we'll apply it to our hearts and our lives and hope to be better Christians. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this word. We praise God that we praise you for it and for your son who became the living word and in flesh and died for our sins on the cross of Calvary. I pray, Father, that you would help us to just apply this to our hearts. And dear Heavenly Father, to be that that you've created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So, quick question, true or false? Morally and spiritually, things are worse than ever before. True. True. I believe that, you know, we read and we've said it multiple times that there's nothing new under the sun. But I believe that what's not new under the sun has been um, worsening day by day since since the first sin, since creation and, and then the first sin. So and I agree. I believe that in our scriptures we find here we just read the one verse of Matthew 24, 25, where, where Jesus said, behold, I have told you before. But if we read backwards to where that chapter begins, I, I see that Jesus is telling us that they're going to even worsen more. And that's sad when we begin to think of the state that that we live in and, and the world that we live in as we look and we we see things. And, you know, even even serious. And I'm guilty of this. Even where bad things have become jokes and what our what our kids call memes, it wasn't memes when I was growing up. I don't know what they called them. But even, you know, the things that we make very, we make light of, uh, Jeffrey Epstein and all that went on with his suicide, all that was made very light. There were so many jokes across social media about the Clintons and, and things of that nature. And, and I shared, I even shared with John this morning that, you know, there was one that said, uh, I'll believe that Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide when Ruth Bader Ginsburg gives a, a press conference. And, and, I, and I laughed. I did. I thought it was, was humorous. And the thing is, you know, we're, we're so used to the things that are going on in our world. I believe that we don't see how worse they really are getting. We don't we don't really fathom or we I don't say we don't see we don't we don't want to see in many cases. And we hide from that truth. But this scripture really, really began to talk to me. And um, as Jesus taught here, his disciples, they had asked him, what will be the signs of the end? And that's what you read from verse three through through 20, through 12. And he says, and he sat on the Mount of Olives and the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us what shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world. And see, the, the, the really cool thing about it is the disciples asked the right person because nobody else can answer this question, but, but he could. 
They could have went to the Pharisees and the, uh, uh, the leaders of the temple of that day. They could have went to those guys and, and they could have asked this question, but nobody could have answered it as Jesus did. And he did answer it. And he said, first of all, this is very powerful. The first few words that he says as he begins to teach them, he says, take heed that no man deceive you. Jesus started off. They want to know what's going to be the signs of the end of time and the end of the world and the sign of his coming for him to first say, take heed that no man deceive you is almost like as powerful to me as like, I'm getting ready to tell you something. And it's going to be one of those ain't I done told you moments that that I want you to understand because there's going to be coming. There are going to be people coming that want to deceive you and they want to trick you. And, and I thought about the top three cults in the United States today, just in the United States, that there's like 30 million people being misled by the top three cults in the United States. And this is, this is what Jesus was saying, take heed that no man deceive you. And, and just, just so you know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Church of Latter-day Saints, the Jehovah Witnesses, and the last one just left me. But it'll come back around to me maybe by the time. But these groups, these cults, they're misleading millions of people when Jesus said, take heed that no man deceive you. And then he moves on to it. And he says, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. We've seen it over time that people have come. You have your Jim Joneses and and even the I mean, even the uh, uh, Charles Manson's that that have come out and said, I am Christ. And people were so eager to follow them and, and they were deceived. And, and if they could have just taken a moment to understand what Jesus is telling them here to be not deceived, they may have could have thwarted that. But it says here, then it says in verse six, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. And as we as I begin to think about this and and how we how we read this word. And I wanted to share with you a little of what we can expect. I believe with all my heart, what Jesus is teaching here, we can, we can expect that conditions will worsen. We can expect that, that, that wars and, and dissension and, and division will, will grow in number. I, I can't imagine that at one point, I think in, in 2014, 2012 or something like that, there was actually 10 wars happening in the world at that time. That's on top of the six to eight conflicts that were going on that hadn't been labeled wars. But then you have all these different wars that, that we don't even hear about that are in these, in these remote parts of Africa or even uh, other places that we don't even know that they're warring. You have tribes warring against tribes and all this. And then you think uh, the, that we think of hunger. And, and here in America, you know, and I tell my kids, uh, uh, they said, I'm hungry. Maddie said she was hungry today right after eating lunch. And I'm like, you don't know what hungry is. And thank God, I don't know what hungry is. I have never felt a hunger pain. Now, I have felt what I would have called a hunger pain, but it was just time to eat the next meal or the, the prep to eat before you eat your next meal. And in, in a lot of my cases, but we have so much hunger. Do you realize two thirds of the world is mal mal malnourished? Two thirds of the world is malnourished. And that's going to get worse. That's going to get worse. So we see that they're malnourished and, and, and hunger, hunger, starvation is killing thousands of people, thousands of people. 
I remember growing up, many of you may remember growing up, it was uh, Live Aid. In the 80s, they did Live Aid. Some of you that uh, younger ones that may not remember that, it's worth looking up. I mean, there was a, the Ethiopia was in dire need. In that area of Africa, they started, they started doing these, these uh, fundraisers and these charities and these concerts just to get food for, for the people of Ethiopia where drought, that's another one. Droughts are going to worsen. That's one of the nature ones that, that we can see. Uh, what was it just a couple of years ago, almost the entire United States was considered to be in a drought. You could go to the grocery store and they would have signs up that says produce may be limited due to the drought and things of that nature. These things are going to get worse. And, but the, going back to, as I was growing up, it was the Ethiopian crisis. And, and they did, they got corn and they grew all this food and they would ship all this food. And, 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 but we see this across the planet. But we, we're kind of shielded, right? We, we could turn on the TV and watch one of those infomercials and, and see what's going on over there. We could actually do even better and we could go over there and help. But it's all across the world. And, and, and I believe we, who, who I was discussing this with, but I know it was in Sunday school. And, I, and it was late last week, too. We're actually having missionaries being sent to us from other countries. Let that sink in just for a minute. Missionaries are coming from other countries to, to minister to us. What happened? Well, the teachings of Jesus says that this was going to happen. And he says, nation will rise against nation in verse seven and the kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. We were having earthquakes in Georgia just late last year. There was one in Tennessee that shook Georgia and there have been in North Georgia. I can't think of a place that I haven't heard over the last 10 or 12 years that there hasn't been an earthquake or some sort of natural disaster. And, and then earthquakes and volcanoes and floods, all of these things, they just, just somebody try to name somewhere to yourself that one of these things isn't happening. I mean, scientists are just waiting any minute for Old Faithful to, to go up in, in, a, in a massive super volcano eruption. And I can't imagine that Something like that could be what Jesus was talking about that would worsen it. Because if you got that massive volcano eruption to block the sun, that would stop the crops, would stop the rain, would stop the growth. All these things could happen. But what I, I was thinking as I was reading this and I was really kind of selfish and, and I, I feel that many of you may be as well. I begin to think, I hope we are living in, in those last times, because if it's going to get worse than this. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to see any of that, but morally and spiritually and educationally, physically, socially, it's going to worsen even more so. And Jesus said there, ain't I done told you? Or one of those, I've been trying to tell you this. I've been trying to show you this. I am here because this is going to happen. I am here to save you from the things that are to come. I'm here to, to give you life and life more abundant, even though these things will happen. I am here to be your rock, to be your foundation that you can build on. When people start acting less than animals, I thought, that's kind of animalistic to think that they would act like that. Then I thought, well, I really don't see animals acting the way humans do these days. We don't even see the animals acting that way, killing. And, and, and here we got technology. Uh, what's the life expectancy now, like in the 80s? 
And, and but, but early when it was in the 60s and in technology brought like making people live longer. I don't want to live longer if I have to live through this. But we see that technology, technology is going to uh, continue to, I guess, you know, you could say overpopulation. If, if people aren't dying when, you know, they're supposed to. But homes, our homes, we see each and every, every community around and neighborhood, you see worsening of the homes. Uh, we've spoke on it at length with, with some of the men here and even some of the women. I am not that guy that, that believes that women should be barefoot and pregnant, right? I'm not that guy. But I do believe that God made a woman for a purpose. And that purpose has been gotten twisted. And now the woman's out in the workforce where the man's supposed to be. And the, and the children suffer. Because we've said it before. Who's babysitting the kids other than the TV, uh, the school system, the other neighborhood kids? Uh, so we have homes that are... That when, when, the, when the family structure was broke down, and you can go back to, to World War II when you really start seeing that, when the women really went into the workforce heavily while the men were gone. And when the men came back, they were told, why would you give up your job just because they're back? You know, you can, women, women's power movements and raw women. I love women. My wife and my mother and my daughters are one, so don't take this the wrong way. I love women, but, but God gave us a, a system, even that we have a, we have a system of government with God. We have that in our homes. He, he can give that, he gives that to us and we've broken that. So our homes have begun to worsen and it's all across America. I mean, why do you think Chicago has such the trouble that they have? And, and not just Chicago, but Atlanta. I was talking to a guy uh, just recently and Macon, there's at least someone in Macon that gets shot and killed like every day. And Macon down the street's what I'm talking about. It's, it's coming all over, but this is because of the breakdown of the, the structure that God put together in the homes. And we continue to see uh, uh, children having children. And that, in and of itself, when you got babies raising babies, Somebody's not getting the right raising because it's just like the blind leading the blind, is it not? So we have that. We have, we have women in the workforce, children being raised by themselves or children raising children. We, we see things, we see things that, that, that affect our family. And in many cases, we're numb to it. We say that's just the way things are. But we have, a, we have such a, a, a huge responsibility to teach our kids differently. I, I say this. Let's just, for, for, for a moment, how many of us, you don't have to raise your hand, but think about this. How many of us know someone personally that's been through a divorce? How many of us know someone personally that's been abused? Physically, mentally, emotionally. All these things, I ask you this, how many of us has known that has happened, and, and maybe don't tell people about it, but it's happened in our specific families. See, these things are the things that are worsening in our homes. And we have to be so careful that what we get to in just a moment is how we, how we combat these things. The only, we only have one option, and that's the Word of God. We only have that one option because as you see these things, the, the, the conditions will worsen, uh, uh, homes will, will worsen, uh, morals will worsen. 
I think back to Leave It to Beaver, right? I was not alive during that time. But the Leave It to Beaver days to now, what is that? 50 years? How much it's worsened just from that day. So think about just, just for a moment. If that was the 1950s, things that were banned even in books and in theaters are now on primetime TV. And it just keeps getting worse and worse. Things that used to make us blush. You know, you've, have you ever heard the, the, the phrase that you don't, in mixed company, whatever that might be, you don't talk in mixed company, you don't say certain things in mixed company? There's no such thing nowadays. It's like anything goes and it doesn't matter if there's a lady standing by. And it may not be anything that's, that's wrong to say. You just didn't say it in front of women or in front of, of children. You didn't say it in mixed company. You didn't do these things in mixed company. But now there's no such thing. It, it is what, I mean, it's just blatant and all out there and nobody, nobody is, is, is worried about mixed company. We see these things and we just, with ease, it just happens. And that's how our morals will continue. Things, like I said, that were banned in the theater or in books, now on prime TV. Uh, kids now have access to everything that nobody had access to. How many know uh, about The Scarlet Letter? That was a book, right? The Scarlet Letter. Remember The Scarlet Letter? Yeah. That's now the norm. That's now the norm. I, I'm not going to suggest that you read the book. We had to read it when I was in high school, I think. Uh, I don't, I'm not much of a reader. I read my Bible. I don't read the paper or stuff like that anymore, but I read my Bible. But the scarlet letter, the scarlet A is now the norm in our, in our society and morals just keep waning and they keep waning worse and worse. And the things that were once condemned by others are now accepted even by ourselves. We now accept things that were condemned. And it continues to worsen and continues to worsen and continues to grow and grow and grow. And it seems, it seems like life is completely out of control. And when I say completely out of control, I mean it's completely out of control of the police. It's completely out of control of, of parents, of, of church, of teachers, of government, of court, everything. It's almost like anything goes and everything is out of control. And I can almost see an image in my mind of God just wringing his hands thinking what shall I do what shall I do but I know that's not true because I know that my God doesn't have to wring his hands and say what shall I do his foundations are true what he has what he has for us as, as 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19, it starts out, it says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. So he doesn't have that moment like we might have of what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Because he's already done what he needed to do. And all that, that plan has, has been put into motion. And he tells us in his word that truth will win over error every time. I have, a, I have a problem with my two girls. And maybe this will help since they're getting publicly called out. But they will lie. They will lie when the truth sounds better. Just today. Maddie, I don't remember the lie she told, but, but Terry just looked at her and said, Why? Why would you even tell that lie? It's like 
some of the, the craziest lies. And I think they get it from their brothers. But why? Why would I? But, but, but I try to teach them as, as I would try to tell you is that truth wins every time. See, I learned the hard way, so I'm going to help somebody out today so you don't have to, to learn the hard way. As we lie and we tell another lie and we lie about the lie that we told to lie uh, uh, to the lie of the other person that we told. We begin to cover lies with lies. Eventually, you're going to forget who you told that lie to. And it's going to come back. And it's going to get you. They ain't too many people that I met. I might have met one or two that could remember every lie they told. Because it's going to get you. Because here's the thing. Truth wins every time. Even when it's going to hurt, the Bible teaches us that the truth is going to make us free. Truth will win over error every time. Good will win over evil every single time. Yeah, it's going to feel like at times we're getting kicked around. We're getting beat up and down. We're getting just thrown across the room by every evil thing that could come up. But good wins every single time. Let us not grow weary in well-doing because good wins every single time over evil. Right wins over wrong. If you get wronged, do right. Don't do wrong because two wrongs don't make a right. How many's heard that one? Two wrongs don't make a right. I'm, I mumbled under my breath one time when my daddy told me two wrongs don't make a right. I mumbled under my breath that three lefts do. That didn't end well. <laughs> it didn't end well at all. But, but we, we get in this mentality that, and, and I know that, I've said it, you've thought it, maybe even you've said it. I'm, I'm going to get them before they get me. Do unto others before they do unto me. Do unto others as they have done unto me. But it's, you know, the real one is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So right wins over wrong every single time. And listen, church, God wins over all. God wins over all. God, God conquers all because we know that God is love and love conquers all. We understand that, that through God, all of these things don't have to uh, uh, plague us. Yeah, we'll, we, could, we could see some of these things and we see these things. We see these rumors of wars and wars and, and earthquakes and pestilence and, 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 and famines and the things that we're reading here. But the question is, how do we live and minister and make our way in a world that's lost its way? That's the question for us. How do we make our way in a world that's lost its way? Do, do we build higher, thicker walls for the church? No. For your home? No. Do we put more locks on and just keep the people in that we want here? No, we don't, we don't do those things. The Bible says in, in grievous times, which we are going to see, these are going to be grievous times. But in these grievous times, do we seclude ourselves and our families? How do we, how do we make our way in a world that's lost its way? And, and as, as I'm saying, I'm reading this, I'm thinking that, no, we don't do those things. We don't build bigger walls and thicker walls and put more locks on our doors and seclude ourselves. No, we get in our word. We get into the Word of God. We preached last week that the Word of God is power. 
And it's the power in us. That's where we receive our power in this world. We read it. We study it. We memorize it. We meditate on it. We discuss it. We teach it. How else will we be able to, as it says in in verse 4, to take heed that no man deceive you, lest we're in our word. We have to be in our word. We have to stop with the newspapers. We have to stop with the with the Fabio books and and we have to stop with the things that just aren't aren't edifying us and building us up and making us stronger. And we have to get into our word. We have to get wisdom and we have to get understanding. We have Carl, I'm going to steal it again. We have to fall in love with our Bibles. We have to fall in love with, with, with the Word of God. Let me tell you, the Word of God fell in love with you years ago. Fall back in love with it and, and begin to reciprocate that love and watch yourself, watch your family, watch your home, watch all of these things begin to grow. Watch you be able to lead people away from the, this destruction and, and from this deception and from those that are going to come in Christ's name to deceive. And, and, and you know what? I can say it now. Ain't I done told you? Ain't I done told you about your Bible? How many times have we preached? Any preacher that stood here behind this pulpit, how many times has it been preached to be in your word? That's your ain't I done told you moment. Ain't I done told you? We need to teach our young ones because the battle is real. Young ones, you need to learn. You need to listen. I'm going to call all of you out. You need to sit quietly in church. You need to listen to the preaching. You need to listen to the teaching. Maddie, that goes for you. All of you need to be paying attention. This word that's being given to you is what's going to get you through. It's what's going to lift you up. It's what's going to be there for you, Sierra, when the world comes in cracking in on you. Grace, Dallas, Carly, all of you, when the world comes falling in on you and you have to break out, it's going to be the Word of God that powers you through. And you know what? I mean, Otherwise, it being disrespectful that you're playing and talking while the preacher's preaching or the singing's going on. That's beside the point. The point is you need this Word and you need it applied to your heart. You need to know these things. Because that battle that you face every single day is real. It is real. You need to to, to start right now. You need to put down the the silliness that you're reading and and watching. And you need to put your eyes on the Word of God. You need to put that in your heart. You need to study it. You need to learn it. You need to memorize it. Parents, it's up to us to make sure that they are doing that at home. You say, how am I supposed to do that? Well, how about we be parents? Who's in control? Who's in charge? I I put a, I got a rule. I had a rule and I didn't really live up to it, but I can't stand it. And it's it's more and more it's beginning to aggravate me is the word why. And I told, I told Harley today, I said, "I'm, I'm done with it. Don't ask me why again. And here's what I tell my kids. The first thing that you need to understand when you get ready to say why, you can go ahead and answer yourself by saying, because he said so. They don't like that answer, but it's the, that's the first one you can think of. 
And if you have to have a, a second one, meditate on that a little while before you ask. But this why thing is aggravating. See, I, we have reasons why we do things and you don't have to know them. You can do it how you want to do it when you grow up. But here, let's finish this out. You need to study it, read it. We need to study it, read it. We need to make sure. How about we do it together as often as we can as a family? As, let's just sit down. Let's read the Bible. Let's study the Bible. Let's learn it. Let's memorize it. Let's teach it. Let's talk about it. Each and every one of you go home and do those things. I go home and do those things. We build power. But then when you begin to do that, I want you to commit to God. Commit to him and his word. His word is true. We read it. He is not slack in his promises as some other men are. Everything he promised, he will deliver on. If you commit to God, because he's already committed to you. If you commit to God, say it one more time, Carla, fall in love with the Bible. And find the love that's there for you. What power can be unleashed in our communities that will help them in these times. You know, your faith might be strong enough that you could fast for a couple, two or three weeks. I'm not joking when I say this because my faith's not that strong yet. I've never been uh, a very good faster. I need to work on what the Word of God says. I do. I need to come to that conclusion, but there's many areas in my life that I, could, that I could improve. And let me tell you where that improvement starts. It starts with me being in love and in my Word. The same goes for you. You think life is easy. Maybe your life doesn't have um, you high schoolers, I say, you know, maybe right now, I'm just going to be honest with you, you don't think so, but right now is the best years of your life. Because when the 12th grade's over, real life starts. Real life starts. And, and, and I don't have any doubts that, that any of you sitting right here in this group can do amazing things because Jesus said you could. Jesus said you could do greater things than he did. But you're going to have to commit to that word. You're going to have to commit to hearing that word. You're going to have to commit to, to, to studying it, to learning it. And I'll go ahead and give you this one. Hold your parents accountable to it, too. Hold them accountable to it. Let's hold each other accountable. Kids, parents, and all together, let's hold each other for the commitment to God. And let's see what God can do through the power of his word as we study it. Pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for allowing us this opportunity to, to preach. Father, to know that you've already told us. And Father, may we be receptive to that that you've already told us and apply it. We know grievous times are to come. And we know, Father, that only on the foundation of Jesus Christ can we stand sure. And we pray, Father, now that you help us build on that solid rock, on this word that you gave us, that died for us, that we might see heaven. Thank you so much for that salvation and the remission of sins. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs> All right. Good evening, everyone.
What a good time it is to have in the Lord. And I appreciate it that we can come and laugh and have a good time. And uh, not many people know this side of us. Not many people get to see this side. If you have your Bibles, please open to Matthew 24. Again, I will do my best to be brief, uh, to get you guys home and ready for your work week. But if you'll open up to Matthew 25, we'll read that, that God has in store for us. Or Matthew 24, I'm sorry. Matthew 24, but we'll read verse 25. Verse 25. Matthew 24, verse 25 says, Behold, I have told you before. I began to think on this uh, late in the week, and I kind of put a southern uh, twist to it. And the uh, way I tell my kids, or maybe you've said it before, is, and it's like Jesus is saying, ain't I done told you? That's how this flew on me, and, and I began to think about it. It's like, ain't I done told you? So we'll see what, what Jesus has done told us, and then we'll, we'll apply it to our hearts and our lives and hope to be better Christians. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this word. We praise God that we praise you for it and for your Son who became the living word and in flesh and died for our sins on the cross of Calvary. I pray, Father, that you would help us to just apply this to our hearts and dear Heavenly Father, to be that that you've created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So, quick question, true or false? Morally and spiritually, things are worse than ever before. True. True. I believe that, you know, we read and we've said it multiple times that there's nothing new under the sun. But I believe that what's not new under the sun has been um, worsening day by day. Since since the first sin, since creation and, and then the first sin. So and I agree. I believe that in our scriptures we find here. We just read the one verse of Matthew 24, 25, where, where Jesus said, behold, I have told you before. But if we read backwards to where that chapter begins, I, I see that Jesus is telling us that they're going to even worsen more. And that's sad when we begin to think of the state that that we live in and, and the world that we live in as we look and we. We see things and, you know, even even serious and I'm guilty of this, even where bad things have become jokes and what our what our kids call memes. It wasn't memes when I was growing up. I don't know what they called them, but even, you know, the things that we make very we make light of uh, Jeffrey Epstein and all that went on with his suicide. All that was made very light. There were so many jokes across social media about the Clintons and and things of that nature and. And I shared, I even shared with John this morning that, you know, there was one that said, uh, I'll believe that Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide when Ruth Bader Ginsburg gives a, a press conference. And, and, I, and I laughed. I did. I thought it was, was humorous. And the thing is, you know, we're, we're so used to the things that are going on in our world. I believe that we don't see how worse they really are getting. We don't, we don't really fathom or we I don't say we don't see we don't we don't want to see in many cases and we hide from that truth. But this scripture really, really began to talk to me. And um, as Jesus taught here, his disciples, they had asked him, what will be the signs of the end? And that's what you read from verse three through through 20, through 12. And he says, and he sat on the Mount of Olives and the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us what shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world. And see, the, the, the really cool thing about it is the disciples asked the right person because nobody else can answer this question, but, but he could. 
They could have went to the Pharisees and the, uh, uh, the leaders of the temple of that day. They could have went to those guys and, and they could have asked this question, but nobody could answer it as Jesus did. And he did answer it. And he said, first of all, this is very powerful. The first few words that he says as he begins to teach them, he says, take heed that no man deceive you. Jesus started off. They want to know what's going to be the signs of the end of time and the end of the world and the sign of his coming for him to first say, take heed that no man deceive you is almost like as powerful to me as like, I'm getting ready to tell you something. And it's going to be one of those ain't I done told you moments that that I want you to understand because there's going to be coming. There are going to be people coming that want to deceive you and they want to trick you. And, and I thought about the top three cults in the United States today, just in the United States, that there's like 30 million people being misled by the top three cults in the United States. And this is, this is what Jesus was saying, take heed that no man deceive you. And, and just, just so you know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Church of Latter-day Saints, the Jehovah Witnesses, and the last one just left me. But it'll come back around to me maybe by the time. But these groups, these cults, they're misleading millions of people. When Jesus said, take heed that no man deceive you. And then he moves forward to it. And he says, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. We've seen it over time that people have come. You have your Jim Joneses and and even the I mean, even the uh, uh, Charles Manson's that that have come out and said, I am Christ. And people were so eager to follow them and, and they were deceived. And and if they could have just taken a moment to understand what Jesus is telling them here to be not deceived, they may have could have thwarted that. But it says here, it, then it says in verse six, and you shall hear uh, of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. And as we as I begin to think about this and and how we how we read this word. And I wanted to share with you a little of what we can expect. I believe with all my heart, what Jesus is teaching here, we can, we can expect that conditions will worsen. We can expect that, that, that wars and, and dissension and, and division will, will grow in number. I, I can't imagine that at one point, I think in, in 2014, 2012 or something like that, there was actually 10 wars happening in the world at that time. That's on top of the six to eight conflicts that were going on that hadn't been labeled wars. But then you have all these different wars that that we don't even hear about that are in these in these remote parts of Africa or even uh, uh, other places that we don't even know that they're warring. You have tribes warring against tribes and all this. And then you think uh, that we think of hunger and and here in America, you know, and I tell my kids, uh, uh, they say, I'm hungry. Maddie said she was hungry today right after eating lunch. And I'm like, you don't know what hungry is. And thank God, I don't know what hungry is. I have never felt a hunger pain. Now, I have felt what I would have called a hunger pain, but it was just time to eat the next meal or the, the prep to eat before you eat your next meal in, in a lot of my cases. But we have so much hunger. Do you realize two-thirds of the world is mal, mal, malnourished? Two-thirds of the world is malnourished. And that's going to get worse. That's going to get worse. So we see that they're malnourished and, and, and hunger, hunger, starvation is killing thousands of people, thousands of people. 
I remember growing up, many of you may remember growing up, it was uh, Live Aid. In the 80s, they did Live Aid. Some of you that uh, younger ones that may not remember that, it's worth looking up. I mean, there was a, the Ethiopia was in dire need in that area of Africa. They started they started doing these these uh, fundraisers and these charities and these concerts just to get food for for the people of Ethiopia where drought. That's another one. Droughts are going to worsen. That's one of the nature ones that that we can see. Uh, what was it? Just a couple of years ago, almost the entire United States was considered to be in a drought. You could go to the grocery store and they would have signs up that says produce may be limited due to the drought. And things of that nature, these things are going to get worse. And, but the, going back to, as I was growing up, it was the Ethiopian crisis. And, and they did, they got corn and they grew all this food and they would ship all this food. And, 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 but we see this across the planet. But we, we're kind of shielded, right? We, we could turn on the TV and watch one of those infomercials and, and see what's going on over there. We could actually do even better and we could go over there and help. But it's all across the world. And, and, and I believe we, who, I don't know who I was discussing this with, but I know it was in Sunday school. And, I, and it was late last week, too. We're actually having missionaries being sent to us from other countries. Let that sink in just for a minute. Missionaries are coming from other countries to, to minister to us. What happened? Well, the teachings of Jesus says that this was going to happen. And he says, nation will rise against nation in verse seven and the kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. We were having earthquakes in Georgia just late last year. There was one in Tennessee that shook Georgia and they've been in North Georgia. I can't think of a place that I haven't heard over the last 10 or 12 years that there hasn't been an earthquake or some sort of natural disaster. And, and then earthquakes and volcanoes and floods, all of these things, they just just somebody try to name somewhere to yourself that one of these things isn't happening. I mean, scientists are just waiting any minute for Old Faithful to, to go up in, in, a, in a massive super volcano eruption. And I can't imagine that something like that could be what Jesus was talking about that would worsen it. Because if you got that massive volcano eruption to block the sun, that would stop the crops, would stop the rain, would stop the growth. All these things could happen. But what I, I was thinking as I was reading this and I was really kind of selfish and, and I, I feel that many of you may be as well. I begin to think, I hope we are living in, in those last times because if it's going to get worse than this, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to see any of that, but morally and spiritually and educationally, physically, socially, it's going to worsen even more so. And Jesus said there, ain't I done told you? I, I, or one of those, I've been trying to tell you this. I've been trying to show you this. I am here because this is going to happen. I am here to save you from the things that are to come. I'm here to, to give you life and life more abundant, even though these things will happen. I am here to be your rock, to be your foundation that you can build on. When people start acting less than animals, I thought, that's kind of animalistic to think that they would act like that. Then I thought, well, I really don't see animals acting the way humans do these days. We don't even see the animals acting that way, the killing. And, and, and here we got technology. Uh, what's the life expectancy now, like in the 80s? 
and, and but, but early when it was in the 60s and then technology brought like making people live longer. I don't want to live longer if I have to live through this. But we see that technology, technology is going to uh, continue to, I guess, you know, you could say overpopulation. If, if people aren't dying when, you know, they're supposed to. But homes, our homes, we see each and every, every community around and neighborhood, you see worsening of the homes. Uh, we've spoke on it at length with, with some of the men here and even some of the women. I am not that guy that, that believes that women should be barefoot and pregnant, right? I'm not that guy. But I do believe that God made a woman for a purpose. And that purpose has been gotten twisted. And now the woman's out in the workforce where the man's supposed to be. And the, and the children suffer. Because we've said it before. Who's babysitting the kids other than the TV, uh, the school system, the other neighborhood kids? Uh, so we have homes that, are, that when, when, the, when the family structure was broke down. And you can go back to, to World War II when you really start seeing that. When the women really went into the workforce heavily while the men were gone and when the men came back they were told why would you give up your job just because they're back you know you can women women's power movements and raw women I love women my wife and my mother and my daughters are one so don't take this the wrong way I love women but but God gave us a system, even that we have a, we have a system of government with God. We have that in our homes. He, he can give that. He gives that to us. And we've broken that. So our homes have begun to worsen. And it's all across America. I mean, why do you think Chicago has such the trouble that they have? And, and not just Chicago, but Atlanta. I was talking to a guy uh, just recently and Macon. There's at least someone in Macon that gets shot and killed like every day. And making down the streets what I'm talking about. It's, it's coming all over, but this is because of the breakdown of the, the structure that God put together in the homes. And we continue to see uh, uh, children having children. And that, in and of itself, when you got babies raising babies, somebody's not getting the right raising because it's just like the blind leading the blind, is it not? So we have that. We have, we have women in the workforce, children being raised by themselves or children raising children. We, we see things, we see things that, that, that affect our family. And in many cases, we're numb to it. We say that's just the way things are. Well, we, have a, we have such a, a, a huge responsibility to teach our kids differently. I, I, I say this. Let's just for, for, for a moment. How many of us, you don't have to raise your hand, but think about this. How many of us know someone personally that's been through a divorce? How many of us know someone personally that's been abused? Physically, mentally, emotionally. All these things. I ask you this. How many of us has known that has happened and, and maybe don't tell people about it, but it's happened in our specific families? See, these things are the things that are worsening in our homes. And we have to be so careful that what we get to in just a moment is how we how we combat these things. The only we only have one option, and that's the word of God. We only have that one option because as you see these things, the, the, the conditions will worsen. Uh, uh, homes will, will worsen. Uh, morals will worsen. 
I think back to Leave It to Beaver, right? I was not alive during that time. But the Leave It to Beaver days to now, what is that? 50 years? How much it's worsened just from that day. So think about just, just for a moment. If that was the 1950s, things that were banned even in books and in theaters are now on primetime TV. And it just keeps getting worse and worse. Things that used to make us blush. You know, you've, have you ever heard the, the, the phrase that you don't in mixed company, whatever that might be, you don't talk in mixed company, you don't say certain things in mixed company? There's no such thing nowadays. It's like anything goes and it doesn't matter if there's a lady standing by. And it may not be anything that's, that's wrong to say. You just didn't say it in front of women or in front of, of children. You didn't say it in mixed company. You didn't do these things in mixed company. But now there's no such thing. It, it is what, I mean, it's just blatant and all out there and nobody, nobody is, is, is worried about mixed company. We see these things and we just, with ease, it just happens. And, and that's how our morals will continue. Things, like I said, that were banned in the theater or in books, now on prime TV, uh, kids now have access to everything that nobody had access to. How many know uh, about the Scarlet Letter? That was a book, right? The Scarlet Letter. Remember the Scarlet Letter? Yeah. That's now the norm. That's now the norm. I, I, I'm not going to suggest that you read the book. We had to read it when I was in high school, I think. Uh, I don't, I'm not much of a reader. I read my Bible. I don't read the paper or stuff like that anymore, but I read my Bible. But the Scarlet Letter, the Scarlet A is now the norm in our, in our society. And morals just keep waning and they keep waning worse and worse. And the things that were once condemned by others are now accepted even by ourselves. We now accept things that were condemned. And it continues to worsen and continues to worsen and continues to grow and grow and grow. And it seems, it seems like life is completely out of control. And when I say completely out of control, I mean it's completely out of control of the police. It's completely out of control of, of parents, of, of church, of teachers, of government, of court, everything. It's almost like anything goes and everything is out of control. And I can almost see an image in my mind of God just wringing his hands, thinking, what shall I do? What shall I do? But I know that's not true because I know that my God doesn't have to wring his hands and say, what shall I do? His foundations are true. What he has, what he has for us as, as 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19, it starts out, it says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. So he doesn't have that moment like we might have of what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Because he's already done what he needed to do. And all that, that plan has, has been put into motion. And he tells us in his word that truth will win over error every time. I have, a, I have a problem with my two girls. And maybe this will help since they're getting publicly called out. But they will lie. They will lie when the truth sounds better. Just today. Maddie, I don't remember the lie she told, but, but Terry just looked at her and said, Why? Why would you even tell that lie? It's like 
some of the, the craziest lies. And I think they get it from their brothers. But why? Why would that? But, but, but and I try to teach them as, as I would try to tell you is that truth wins every time. See, I learned the hard way. So I'm going to help somebody out today. So you don't have to, to learn the hard way. As we lie and we tell another lie and we lie about the lie that we told to lie uh, to the lie of the other person that we told. We begin to cover lies with lies. Eventually, you're going to forget who you told that lie to. And it's going to come back. And it's going to get you. They ain't too many people that I, I might have met one or two that could remember every lie they told. Because it's going to get you. Because here's the thing. Truth wins every time. Even when it's going to hurt, the Bible teaches us that the truth is going to make us free. Truth will win over error every time. Good will win over evil every single time. Yeah, it's going to feel like at times we're getting kicked around. We're getting beat up and down. We're getting just thrown across the room by every evil thing that could come up. But good wins every single time. Let us not grow weary in well-doing because good wins every single time over evil. Right wins over wrong. If you get wronged, do right. Don't do wrong because two wrongs don't make a right. How many's heard that one? Two wrongs don't make a right. I mumbled under my breath one time when my daddy told me two wrongs don't make a right. I mumbled under my breath that three lefts do. That didn't end well. <laughs> it didn't end well at all. But, but we, we get in this mentality that, and, and I know that, I've said it, you've thought it, maybe even you've said it. I'm, I'm going to get them before they get me. Do unto others before they do unto me. Do unto others as they have done unto me. But it's, you know, the real one is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So right wins over wrong every single time. And listen, church, God wins over all. God wins over all. God, God conquers all because we know that God is love and love conquers all. We understand that, that through God, all of these things don't have to uh, uh, plague us. Yeah, we'll, we, could, we could see some of these things and we see these things. We see these rumors of wars and wars and, and earthquakes and pestilence and, 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 and famines and the things that we're reading here. But the question is, how do we live and minister and make our way in a world that's lost its way? That's the question for us. How do we make our way in a world that's lost its way? Do, do we build higher, thicker walls for the church? No. For your home? No. Do we put more locks on and just keep the people in that we want here? No, we don't, we don't do those things. The Bible says in grievous times which we are going to see, these are going to be grievous times. But in these grievous times, do we seclude ourselves and our families? How do we, how do we make our way in a world that's lost its way? And, and as, as I'm saying, I'm reading this, I'm thinking that, no, we don't do those things. We don't build bigger walls and thicker walls and put more locks on our doors and seclude ourselves. No, we get in our word. We get into the Word of God. We preached last week that the Word of God is power. 
And it's the power in us. That's where we receive our power in this world. We read it. We study it. We memorize it. We meditate on it. We discuss it. We teach it. How else will we be able to, as it says in in verse 4, to take heed that no man deceive you, lest we're in our word. We have to be in our word. We have to stop with the newspapers. We have to stop with the, with the Fabio books. And, and we have to stop with the things that just aren't, aren't edifying us and building us up and making us stronger. And we have to get into our word. We have to get wisdom. And we have to get understanding. We have, I, 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 Carl, I'm going to steal it again. We have to fall in love with our Bibles. We have to fall in love with, with, with the Word of God. Let me tell you, the Word of God fell in love with you years ago. Fall back in love with it and, and begin to reciprocate that love and watch yourself, watch your family, watch your home, watch all of these things begin to grow. Watch you be able to lead people away from the, this destruction and, and from this deception and from those that are going to come in Christ's name to deceive. And, and, and you know what? I can say it now. Ain't I done told you? Ain't I done told you about your Bible? How many times have we preached? Any preacher that stood here behind this pulpit, how many times has it been preached to be in your word? That's your ain't I done told you moment. Ain't I done told you? We need to teach our young ones because the battle is real. Young ones, you need to learn. You need to listen. I'm going to call all of you out. You need to sit quietly in church. You need to listen to the preaching. You need to listen to the teaching. Maddie, that goes for you. All of you need to be paying attention. This word that's being given to you is what's going to get you through. It's what's going to lift you up. It's what's going to be there for you, Sierra, when the world comes in cracking in on you. Grace, Dallas, Carly, all of you, when the world comes falling in on you and you have to break out, it's going to be the Word of God that powers you through. And you know what? I mean, Otherwise, it being disrespectful that you're playing and talking while the preacher's preaching or the singing's going on. That's beside the point. The point is you need this Word and you need it applied to your heart. You need to know these things. Because that battle that you face every single day is real. It is real. You need to to, to start right now. You need to put down the the silliness that you're reading and, and watching. And you need to put your eyes on the Word of God. You need to put that in your heart. You need to study it. You need to learn it. You need to memorize it. Parents, it's up to us to make sure that they are doing that at home. You say, how am I supposed to do that? Well, how about we be parents? Who's in control? Who's in charge? I, I put a, I got a rule. I had a rule and I didn't really live up to it, but I can't stand it. And it's, it's more and more it's beginning to aggravate me is the word why. I, and I told, I told Harley today, I said, I'm, I'm done with it. Don't ask me why again. And here's what I tell my kids. The first thing that you need to understand when you get ready to say why, you can go ahead and answer yourself by saying because he said so. They don't like that answer, but it's the, that's the first one you can think of. 
And if you have to have a, a second one, meditate on that a little while before you ask. But this why thing is aggravating. See, I, we have reasons why we do things and you don't have to know them. You can do it how you want to do it when you grow up. But here, let's finish this out. You need to study it, read it. We need to study it, read it. We need to make sure. How about we do it together as often as we can as a family? As, let's just sit down. Let's read the Bible. Let's study the Bible. Let's learn it. Let's memorize it. Let's teach it. Let's talk about it. Each and every one of you go home and do those things. I go home and do those things. We build power. But then when you begin to do that, I want you to commit to God. Commit to him and his word. His word is true. We read it. He is not slack in his promises as some other men are. Everything he promised, he will deliver on. If you commit to God, because he's already committed to you. If you commit to God, say it one more time, Carla, fall in love with the Bible. And find the love that's there for you. What power can be unleashed in our communities that will help them in these times. You know, your faith might be strong enough that you could fast for a couple, two or three weeks. I'm not joking when I say this because my faith's not that strong yet. I've never been uh, a very good faster. I need to work on what the Word of God says. I do. I need to come to that conclusion, but there's many areas in my life that I, could, that I could improve. And let me tell you where that improvement starts. It starts with me being in love and in my Word. The same goes for you. You think life is easy. Maybe your life doesn't have um, you high schoolers, I say, you know, maybe right now, I'm just going to be honest with you, you don't think so, but right now is the best years of your life. Because when the 12th grade's over, real life starts. Real life starts. And, and, and I don't have any doubts that, that any of you sitting right here in this group can do amazing things because Jesus said you could. Jesus said you could do greater things than he did. But you're going to have to commit to that word. You're going to have to commit to hearing that word. You're going to have to commit to, to, to studying it, to learning it. And I'll go ahead and give you this one. Hold your parents accountable to it, too. Hold them accountable to it. Let's hold each other accountable. Kids, parents, and all together, let's hold each other for the commitment to God. And let's see what God can do through the power of his word as we study it. Pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for allowing us this opportunity to, to preach. Father, to know that you've already told us. And Father, may we be receptive to that that you've already told us and apply it. We know grievous times are to come. And we know, Father, that only on the foundation of Jesus Christ can we stand sure. And we pray, Father, now that you help us build on that solid rock, on this word that you gave us, that died for us, that we might see heaven. Thank you so much for that salvation and the remission of sins. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.